Stanford University. Thank you, I'm happy to be here today. So today I'm gonna to give an overview of cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'll refer to as CBT for short, to save time. Um, there are a number of psychotherapies that have been found through research to be helpful for mood disorders, but CBT is perhaps the most widely available, so I'm gonna to focus today on that particular treatment. Next I'll be talking a little bit about, show you a little bit of data about CBT for both bipolar disorder and unipolar depression. And then I'll talk a little bit about, I'll provide some resources so that if you or a loved one are interested in CBT, you might have some way of knowing how to find a CBT therapist and what to look for. Okay, so why is psychotherapy important? Um, clearly medication is an important critical piece of treatment for mood disorders. And what we know though is for many people, having the, um, having optimal medication treatment is not necessarily enough that people still experience relapse. And the good news is, as Dr. Ketter was saying, we found plenty of, we're having a lot of data now to show that um, psychotherapy can improve the illness course in both major depressive disorder and bipolar disorder. And I hope to give you a glimpse of what CBT is today so that you'll have the tools available to decide, is this something that I might, I might find interesting and if so, how do I go about finding a CBT therapist? So what is CBT? CBT is a name that includes a variety of sort of sister therapies. They're generally present focused, skills focused, goal oriented, some sometimes shorter term in, in duration. And um, the general premise of CBT is that in a given situation, one's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are all connected and all influence each other in a mutual fashion. And because we have this triad where each of these is influencing the other, cognitive therapists can opt to help people work on any one of these in hopes to influence the others as well. So we tend to target all three, but, um, but we can intervene for a particular person in a particular spot if that's, we might know where to start. The role of thoughts is critical in CBT. Um, the key premise being that it's not the situation itself that produces an emotional response, but it's our interpretations about a situation that cause our emotions. So if I were to look out and notice some people looking kind of tired, some yawning in the audience right now, not that I'm seeing any of that, of course, <laughs> but if I were to notice that, I might feel oops, that um, my talk is boring, that I'm not a good speaker and feel bad about myself. But with CBT, the idea is that it's not the situation itself that's producing the response, but it's our interpretation about the situation. So for me to have those thoughts, for me to have those emotional reactions, I probably have that thought my talk is boring, I'm embarrassed, disappointed in myself, angry. But if I had a different interpretation of the situation, I see yawns and some sleepy faces, and I think, okay, some people are tired this morning, you've been here for a little while, maybe the coffee's wearing off, then I might feel instead of self-blame or anger, I might feel motivated to try to engage you. I might speak up or you know, start moving around a little bit more. So the, the reaction's gonna be different based on how I'm seeing that situation. So let's take another example. Let's say that my boss co contacts me to set up an appointment. So there's different ways I could interpret this situation. If 
I have the interpretation, uh oh, I'm getting laid off, which in this economy wouldn't be too far-fetched, but, but might be a little pre premature. Um, my reaction might be worried, devastated, angry. If I have the interpretation I'm being assigned a new project, then my emotional response will depend on how I, what I think about getting assigned a new project. If I'm really busy and I don't have time, I might feel overwhelmed. If I'm excited, ready for something new and interested, I might feel excited and hopeful. If I have the interpretation that my boss wants a routine update on my current projects, then again, it's gonna depend on how those pro the, stat the state of those projects, what kind of emotional response I might have. I might feel calm and happy to be reporting, or if those projects aren't in good shape, I might feel stressed and motivated to get to work. So again, the interpretation is what's critical. So situations are the part in our lives that are gonna inevitably bring some pain to us, but the interpretations that we have and how we take that in are the focus of cognitive piece, of cognitive behavioral therapy. So with this idea that these thoughts or interpretations are what influence our feelings, we tend to target and focus on these thoughts. Um, we might focus in particular on distortions, times when these thoughts get a little inaccurate or exaggerated or not based in the facts. So you might, may have heard of cognitive distortions or thinking errors. Cognitive therapists like to um, look at these and help, help clients um, identify their thoughts and, and identify certain distortions that may be present. So a few examples of these, all or nothing thinking, this is the tendency to see a situation in black and white terms. So if one thing goes wrong, the whole thing was a disaster. Mind reading, which is our belief that we tend to know what other people are thinking. This is a hard one to challenge sometimes. Um, catastrophizing might be assuming that the worst case scenario is gonna happen and then responding emotionally as if that worst case scenario is gonna happen. Or we might disqualify certain pieces of information that we're not um, taking in, either positive or negative information. So cognitive therapists like to target these, help people identify these. We all do these all the time but they tend to be higher in when the presence of a mood episode or a bad mood, anger, anxiety, depression, tends to facilitate these. Okay, so how might this look, this triad look in an example? Let's take the boss example. My boss schedules a meeting with me and I have the interpretation that I'm getting laid off. Um, my feelings, I'm worried, devastated, angry because I'm getting laid off, right? So we, we, we respond as if that is happening. Um, I might then go and complain to other people in my life about the company, which actually makes me more angry because it gets me worked up. Um, to avoid this anger, all this intense emotion that's really uncomfortable, I might sort of cope by sleeping through the weekend and feel more depressed. When I feel more depressed, I might think, here comes the depression again, great. I'm never gonna be able to find a new job if I'm depressed. So you see how this snowball effect happens, how, um, this can result in what we call a downward spiral, where all of these things are influencing the others, and if we can intervene in one of these, we can sort of influence the others in a bi-directional way. Okay, so CBT is gonna target each of these three bubbles here, and I'll talk a little bit about how we target each of those. So the first, responses to problematic thoughts. I alluded to this a little bit, we're gonna take help clients identify what automatic thoughts are happening in the background. We have this sort of constant chatter that we may or may not be aware of. So first thing we do is help, help clients become aware of that, with the, particularly the negative chatter. 
um, identify where it may be inaccurate or distorted, and those are those cognitive distortions I just told you about, and then correct and reinterpret this, create more adaptive, accurate thoughts. So this is a little different than just the Stuart Smalley positive thinking sort of approach. It's um, really looking for accuracy. We want to look at our experiences and, and take them in with a realistic appraisal. So we call this cognitive restructuring. Some thoughts that we have are accurate. So when we have accurate thoughts, instead of cognitive restructuring, we might help clients move toward problem solving. So if I am getting laid off, and you know I've heard a lot about layoffs, and I know my vows haven't been that great, then I need to start thinking about my next job. So sometimes our thoughts are accurate, and if there's a lot of data that I'm getting laid off, like a warning and you know from my boss, then I'm gonna those thoughts are realistic, some at least some of them, and I'm gonna respond to them. We also often in CBT include mindfulness techniques um, to help people create a certain amount of distance from their thoughts. We tend to, to, to view our thoughts from inside as if they're true. So when we have a thought, it is, we view it as truth, we subscribe to it. And the idea behind the mindfulness approach is to step back from our thoughts and become an observer, sort of watch our thoughts go by. And when we do that, we're in a better position to, with that little bit of distance, we're in a better position to evaluate them. Okay, with behaviors, our focus is on effectiveness. So the goal in CBT is to evaluate behaviors, examine are they effective or are they ineffective? Are, are, are these behaviors causing problems for you? If they're effective, we want to increase those. Problematic behaviors, we want to decrease and substitute with effective behaviors. So that's sort of the general way we approach behaviors is looking at effectiveness. Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? It's <laughs> similar idea to that. Okay, so avoidance is incredibly common with depression because of the low motivation, some social, Dr. Vermeer was talking about interpersonal sensitivity. People tend to pull back. Um, it's also common with anxiety and some other problems. So one of the things that we do is we help clients re-enter those situations, decrease that avoidance that tends to be problematic in a number of ways. We also help people plan activities that in the past, at least, have been effective for them. Um, things that have been fun, even when you're depressed, it may not be fun now, but if it's been fun in the past, let's start to recultivate that interest, start scheduling some of those activities that are either fun or else produce a sense of accomplishment and mastery. This is helping people move toward that fulfilling part. And then CBT is very skills focused, so there's a bit of training in, in skills, um, brushing up on on communication skills, learning to be more assertive if that's a challenge, or less aggressive if that's a challenge, um, enhancing social interactions. So it's very um, skills focused here. And then the third bubble here, responses to painful feelings. Um, we work on, we can't control what feelings occur, but we can control how we respond to them. So we might help clients learn how to accept or tolerate feelings, most of us, Want to, when we have a painful feeling, want to get away from it as fast as possible. So we may be focused instead on al allowing it, tolerating it, working through it. Um, sometimes we teach how to change these emotions in the moment. Generally, relaxation exercises can be nice for decreasing overall stress. And then sometimes people have extreme emotional reactions and we, and we teach distress tolerance skills or tools to manage those in the moment, such as really intense anger, or just to harm yourself, things like that. OK. 
pay. And all of this that I've been describing is really done to serve some basic goals for both um, CBT, for both mood disorders, um, unipolar depression and bipolar depression has these goals of, I'm gonna start at the bottom and work up here, um, providing psychoeducation about the mood disorder, especially for people who are newly diagnosed or who um, aren't as familiar with um, all the ins and outs, um, talking about the role of medication for an individual, um, sometimes people have a hard time with medications, sticking with them, um, tolerating the, the constant change of medications, the side effects, um, working through the time it takes to find the right combination for a particular person. Um, we track mood, there's a lot of tracking in CBT, and I'll talk more about that here in a minute. Um, all of this is with the goal of recognizing early warning signs. Um, we don't really wanna wait till a mood episode is fully formed to try to do something about it. So if we can recognize early on, oh, this is what happens when I start to get depressed, before it really hits, these are the symptoms. That's what we wanna target, recognizing that and intervening then before it's fully developed. This, of course, is done to prevent the relapse of that episode. And all of this is in the service of improving overall functioning, positive well-being. Okay, so what do these therapy sessions look like? Um, generally, CBT sessions are structured, often with a, a formal agenda. Uh, we might start the session out saying, okay, what are we gonna put on the agenda? That might include some discussion of where the mood is right now, where a person's mood is. Um, review of homework from previous sessions, continuing to work on a particular skill or issue that, that someone's been working on, but that agenda gets set and then we follow that through the session. I've mentioned homework, that's a pretty important component of CBT. Um, Unlike some therapies, CBT requires a fair bit of work between sessions. So um, you'll be, if you're in CBT therapy, you might be doing, in addition to tracking your mood, um, maybe doing thought records, trying out new behaviors or new skills that you've talked about with your therapist. And CBT therapists are like scientists a bit. We like to collect data. So um, if you're working on someone, with someone to help them with their depression, you wanna see, is this working? So we measure depression at the beginning and we measure it throughout therapy to see if what we're doing is actually benefiting. So you might be monitoring your mood um, daily or weekly, um, filling out thought records. Those are, um, I'm gonna show you one of those in a minute and you have one in your handout. Um, but those are to specifically challenge the negative thoughts that come up. Um, tracking those activities and anytime you're targeting a particular behavior for change, you're gonna be tracking that as well. So if you're trying to change something, we need to know, is it working? And a lot of this tracking takes place on paper and pencil, but nowadays I'm using a lot more apps and things like that. Um, so there's lots of fun ways to do this. I've, the, on top here is a, is a fun. <laughs> it's fun for me. <laughs> Hopefully it's fun for other people. <laughs> um, Technology is changing the way we do therapy, and I find it kind of, kind of fun and exciting. So on top here, I've given you, a, a, in your handouts, a blank mood chart, um, one for depression and one for, one for bipolar disorder. And what this involves is sort of daily tracking of mood. You're tracking medications, you're tracking your sleep, your mood, any significant life events. Um, this can be incredibly helpful to take into your therapist, to take into your psychiatrist, um, if you're changing meds, trying to find the right combination, psychiatrists find this very helpful to see, not just how you felt that day and what your perception of the last two weeks has been, but instead, 
let's see what your perception was on those days. So you get more accurate data and it can really inform your, your treatment decisions. The one on the bottom is also in your handouts and it's a thought record. There's lots of versions of thought records out there and they all generally focus on becoming aware of your thoughts, writing them down, evaluating them for accuracy, looking for cognitive distortions, and then correcting and replacing them. So I've given you an example. If you want to try this out on your own, I'm going to give you some other resources as well. So does CBT work? I'm going to just give you a couple of studies um, for time's sake, but in this particular study um, by Lamb and colleagues, they found that individuals with bipolar disorder who added CBT to their medication regimen were um, less likely to have depressive episodes, manic episodes, and hospital admissions. So we know that CBT can prevent recurrence or decrease or delay recurrence. And there's other data as well that suggest that it can also help people recover from a depressive episode. For unipolar depression, um, the studies are a little bit different. Um, a lot of the studies are comparing um, therapy also with medication. And so in this study, what they found is over here on the right, individuals who had a course of CBT and then stopped. And in the middle, they have individuals who had antidepressants and stayed on them. And they had a similar response in terms of decreased recurrence of mood episode. So having a course of CBT produces results that continue after you stop having CBT. And that's the idea of therapy, not to have a therapist for the rest of your life necessarily, but to learn to be your own therapist. Um, so what we see in this and in the bipolar literature is that the effects of psychotherapies are, are similar to those that we get from good medications. There are some limitations. It can be hard to find a good CBT therapist. I've given you some suggestions of questions you can ask and some places, some websites to go to find someone. Um, it's perfectly appropriate to, to call and ask questions of therapists and even to see a couple of two or three therapists um, before you decide on someone. It's really important to find the right fit. So if you're looking for a good CBT therapist, it might involve a bit of work on the front end. Um, CBT does require an amount of effort and work outside of sessions. This can be hard, particularly in the state of a depressive episode. So um, some people might opt for the medication first because it tends to work faster um, and then requires a little less work up, up front. And then CBT won't work for everyone. So if you're in working with a CBT therapist and you've given it a reasonable amount of time and you're not feeling like it's helpful or beneficial, it'd be worth talking to your therapist about alternatives. I've also given you some references in your handouts, some books on CBT self-help. Um, the top two here are for unipolar depression, the bottom three are for bipolar disorder. That's all in your, in your recommended reading in the handout. So in summary, um, we know medication alone is often not enough to keep someone's mood stable, and adding psychotherapy, in particular CBT, can facilitate recovery. It can delay or, or um, decrease relapse and improve overall well-being. And the piece that I, I really want to highlight is to that to find an effective therapist and to do this well, it requires that you're an active participant. Um, this is from the beginning to finding a therapist to engaging in therapy, giving feedback to your therapist, doing the homework between sessions. The more you do those things, the more effective the therapy will be. Okay, thank you. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.